Hello everyone, Alan Mischer here from Vitality Explorers with another edition of the Vitality Explorer News Podcast. Let's kick it off first with our quote. And here it is from Muhammad Ali. Don't quit, suffer now, and live the rest of your life as a champion. Don't quit, suffer now, and live the rest of your life as a champion. I really love that one. And let's talk about what we're going to be discussing this week. And it's in the context of being a champion for a variety of reasons. But first, we're going to talk about exercise as a shield against cancer. We're going to talk about why sports enhance our physical and mental health. And we're going to also discuss, because it's Thanksgiving weekend, how to be relentlessly thankful to enhance our vitality. So if you're enjoying this, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also sign up. Sign up at VitalityExplorers.com for a free text message newsletter or become a subscriber on Vitality News on our Substack site. And please consider being a paid version to support our work as we finish up 2022 and aim towards an amazing 2023. So let's kick this off with this idea of exercise as a shield against cancer. Now, really, that's a staggering statement, and I think it really it demands our attention. Exercise can be a shield against cancer. So emerging data is, is coming out that, that, that shows that exercise can help prevent cancer by interfering with how cells utilize energy, and specifically glucose and glycogen. And this post is going to take a deep dive into cancer research, into a cancer research article about that topic. The title of that, which was published in the Journal of Cancer Research, Metabolism and Chemical Biology, for all those people who want to find it, it's called An Exercise-Induced Metabolic Shield in Distant Organs Blocks Cancer Progression and Metastatic Dissemination. All right. So the authors of this article hypothesized that exercise actually reprograms our organs into cancer-resistant little microenvironments by limiting access to nutrients. And they called this, you know, a metabolic, a quote, metabolic shield. So here's one of the one of the staggering findings from the study. And it's a pretty complex study. But again, as we try to do on Vitality Explorer News, is we try to get you some specific juicy pieces of each of these studies that I think are very interesting and actionable and will hopefully help you understand why it's important to exercise. And the study found high-intensity exercise reduced the incidence of highly metastatic cancers by 73% compared to being inactive. 73%. That's insanity, right? So um, here's here's a few quotes from the article. Quote, our analysis revealed that exercise tends to lower the risk of developing cancer in both men and women with a greater association with highly metastatic cancers. And that implies, this is a, for the second quote, that implies that high intensity exercise may prevent cancer dissemination to distant sites. So basically what this article is saying that exercise can help pre- prevent metastasis and that's you know, you know a spread of cancer beyond its original place. Now the study had uh, over 2,700 participants, they're aged from 25 to 64, and they followed them over a 20-year time frame. And exercise was measured by asking the participants about their habits in terms of total time, frequency, and intensity per week. The, the important part of this, this very complex study, an important study, is they also used a skin cancer uh, melanoma model in a mouse uh, to, to evaluate the context of exercise. And using that animal model, 
they helped flush out the mechanism by which exercise helps prevent cancer progression. So the little mice were placed on a mice mini treadmill, a mouse mini treadmill, with increasing intensity or placed in a sedentary group. So you basically had mice that were going to Orange Theory or mice who were sitting on their on their butts. Okay, now after a period of time, I believe it was, I forget exactly how long it was, but you can see it on the Substack site. They assessed the total tumor volume, and they found it was significantly lower in the active group compared to the control group. And they also found better glucose uptake in the tissues of the mice that were in the active group. So you know, this is, again, there's some graphs that you can see on the Vitality Explorer new Substack site. They looked at, at, at areas that are typically where metastases go, and that's the lungs, the lymph nodes, the liver, and the muscle. And in all four of these different parts of the body, there was significantly lower tumor volume than, or excuse me, uh, glucose uptake. Uh, the glucose uptake was higher in the in the active compared to the control. Now, this is really important because the, the, that really helped articulate a mechanism by which ex exercise becomes a shield. The high intensity exercise depleted the muscle of their primary energy storage unit, that's called glycogen. And it can take up to 24 hours to replace those, those muscular stockpiles of glycogen, which is you can think of that as highly concentrated glucose. That led the muscle cells to compete with the cancer cells for glycogen. And this competition made it more difficult for the cancer to spread beyond where it is or metastasize. Now that's really, really interesting, right? So exercise isn't just trying to make you feel better, it's actually changing the metabolic environment by which cancer can survive. And I think this is really, this is what we call the Vitality Explorer Analysis and Recommendations. And I think exercise, once again, has been found to be a vitality enhancer, especially in anybody at risk for cancer or for uh, risk for spread of cancer. Um, and I think this is something we should use in our holy war against cancer. And it makes sense for us to utilize our energy to work and build muscle instead of leaving that store of energy around for cancer cells to feed on. So I know that high-intensity exercise becomes much more difficult as we age, because uh, if you work out too hard and you're in an older age group, you can you can lead to injuries. And I see a lot of these as an orthopedic surgeon and musculoskeletal uh, sports medicine doc. Um, but I think it's 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 really crucial to develop these exercise habits as soon as we can, or as early as we can. Um, the paper did not make it clear exactly how much per week we need to do to re reduce the risk of severe cancer, but I'll place my bet on just doing as much as we possibly can. And here's one of my thoughts about this, this paper. Starving cancer cells sounds like a great prevention strategy. So if you think about this, when you're working out, you're, you're burning up your glucose, you're, in, you're building your muscles, and if there's a cancer cell lurking around in your body, it doesn't have anything to feed on because it's been uh, taken up by by the cells that are that are burning that. So uh, you can look at this um, paper and the abstract and the and the actual graphs from it on, on Vitality Explorer News. Again, it was a pretty complicated paper. Uh, for those people who are into it, I would appreciate it if you look at it in detail and post any comments or suggestions you have about it. Um, but again, here is the significance according to the paper. Ac quote, exercise protects against cancer progression and metastasis by inducing a high nutrient demand in internal organs, indicating that reducing nutrient availability to tumor cells represents a potential strategy to prevent metastasis. So get out there, exercise as much as you can for a variety of reasons, but I think we can add 
decreasing the risk of cancer progression to that list of things that exercise does for your body. Let's move on to something a little lighter, but I think uh, as important is we're always looking for ways to enhance our physical and our mental health. And I got one for you that's absolutely specific and germane to what's going on right now. And that is about sports. So the World Cup is going on, college football, basketball, both college, NBA. This is just a cornucopia of sports going on (laughs) over the next month or so. Um, And I think it's important for us to understand that sports are an under-recognized component of our vitality. Now, not everybody's into sports. I understand that, but but uh, I, I'm going to bias myself here because I am very much into sports, both to play and to watch. But this could be something else that you're interested in as well. We're going to use sports here as a, as a um, as an example, because there's some data to support it. And this comes from a new study um, of over 2,000 people in the United Kingdom. And here's a couple quotes from that paper that we're gonna go over. And again, you can look at the Vitality Explorer Substack site uh, on online, subscri- subscribe there and you'll get it. You can also go to vitalityexplorers.com and get a text message Vitality newsletter once a week delivered to your phone, okay? But here's the quote from the paper, quote, nearly half, 49% of fans supporting their favorite sport had boosted their mental health, according to a new national study examining the most popular study is sports in the United Kingdom. Also, quote, 35% said that just the act of viewing sports make them feel more of a part of a community. And 33% reported watching sports helps motivate them to be more active. Wow. Think about that. If you had an intervention that had about a third of the people feeling more part of a community and a third of the people to be more active, you would want to do that. So it looks like sports is is that. So this past week, the the USA soccer match, um, excuse me, football slash soccer match was on Friday, which happened to be the day after Thanksgiving in the United States. I was looking up to see how many people watched it on TV, but they were expecting a record number of people to watch it. And uh, what happened was quite interesting. Um, they, they ended up in a scoreless draw. And I'm not going to admit that I am a massive soccer fan, but I did watch this game partially because I was off on Friday and I had a chance to watch, excuse me, <coughs> a chance to watch it. Uh, and I found it fascinating. It was like a defensive battle. Uh, England was supposed to, to kick uh, the United States out of the, out of the, out of off the pitch, but they ended up playing with them in the first half. Um, the United States best player, one of their best players, Christian Pulisic, rattled and just almost got one off the top of the crossbar. Um, it would have given uh, the USA team a one nil advantage, but they ended up tying, ended up zero zero. And 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 for United States people, sometimes we think of a nil nil or a zero zero tie is not interesting, but this was a fascinating match. And now the United States has two two points. England is still likely to go through, and uh, England plays Wales, and the United States plays uh, Iran next Tuesday for to see if they advance to the next round. That was followed today by the epic, most important rivalry in sports, and that is the Michigan Ohio State football game. And again, for those of you who know me directly or indirectly, I went to Michigan undergrad and medical school. So I bleed maize and blue and I organize a lot of my time around watching uh, their football and basketball games. But again, I did not realize until I read this study that doing that triggered those two important things. 
you know, more community. I'm in a text message thread with a bunch of my, you know, friends from undergrad and med school. And, and, and also it does motivate you when you see people who are very active to try to try to want to be more active yourself, yourself. And back to that, that study that we looked at from England, and it was again with more than 2000 people. And they, they really, here's a couple more quotes from it. The one clearly highlighted is the benefit of the presence in sports in so many people's lives and quote, fans of all sports uh, evidently gain pleasure, excuse me, gain great pleasure from watching and and participating in them often with others and building a community of like-minded, passionate individuals with a shared love of their favorite team. The important part about this study is they also looked at some of the fans' behavior broken down by sport. So obviously I'm interested in football, basketball, and soccer, but they, they looked at other sports and then they tried to compare, you know, which ones, the fans of which one were the most healthy. Okay, so they had sort of a health index and they found that cycling fans, bicycle, bicycle race fans, and tennis fans were the healthiest, followed by golf, Formula One, cricket, football, and their parlance soccer, and rugby fans. All right, now obviously this is a little bit of a skewed version because in England there's there are people who are more cricket and Formula One fans as well as soccer fans in the United States, but I imagine that cycling, tennis, and golf fans might, may be the most uh, active and um, healthiest also anywhere because they play it more often. And it turns out that golf fans, according to the study, were the number one group that actually played their sport, followed by cycling and tennis. So here's here's sort of the analysis of, of sports in our world. I think it's a massively, massively under-recognized vitality enhancer. Now that, that also could be something like going to music concerts. That could be, you know, you know, getting outdoors and enjoying hiking or working, you know, with another group of people to on a specific cause. But something that brings you together with other fans or other community, because we know the community, we know the closeness counts, and also being something that motivates you to get outside and be more active. And um, I think it's 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 a it's a way. By the way, Michigan did beat Ohio State. Sorry for Ohio State fans out there. They actually crushed Ohio State, and and I am right now on a non-pharmacologic high because Michigan was not expected to win. And I'm really excited about that. And the opposite of that is actually, if you're really, really attached to a team, losing can hurt. But I think the community associated with that may mitigate the, the risk of the downside. But I think if you look at the overall data, watching sports increases our likelihood of being active, which is always a good thing. Cheering for your favorite team can be a fun thing to do on a weekend, um, and especially if you join up with friends and family. Um, just remember to cheer for the good guys, the Michigan teams. Uh, and... Please post your comments on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site and give me your thoughts about what you do, uh, whether it's sports related or others, to connect with the community of other people in the context of something that can also help you get outside or get, get to be more active. We're going to finish this week's Vitality Explorer News podcast with something I call Be Relentlessly Thankful to Enhance Vitality. And that is, again, in the context of this being Thanksgiving weekend in the United States here. I know that the Vitality Explorer News podcast is now heard in over 50 countries worldwide. I'd love to learn from more from anybody all over the world about how they celebrate something uh, which we do here in the fall in the United States. Um, 
But here's, here's some of the thoughts. I want to, again, begin by being thankful for anybody who's listening to this right now. Uh, the Vitality Explorer news on Substack is growing wildly, and as is the, the podcast, and I look forward to 2020, 2023 uh, to enhance that even more. But I think being grateful is a zero-cost way to enhance our vitality. And here's how I try to do it. I share my gratitude for others daily, and I make sure I am specific and sincere. I also keep a log of when other people express their gratitude for me or for my work. And I actually have to review that log, or I like to review that log when I need a boost on a bad day. So try to be grateful for people that are around you, especially those who you know care for you. Be specific and try to be sincere. And then if somebody's nice to you or somebody is grateful for you, be thankful. But you can write it down someplace and then you know review that sometime when you need it. And I think the best way to, to, to receive gratitude, to get more gratitude, which by the way, according to a lot of different studies, it's not just about giving it. We we feel better and our physical and mental health gets better when we receive gratitude. But one of the best ways to get more gratitude is to relentlessly give gratitude. Okay. So number one, here's a few, a few of my thoughts. Again, you can check out the full Vitality Explorer news about all three of these posts on Substack or uh, join up with us on vitalityexplorers.com. But here they are. Number one, be thankful for each day. This is especially true for difficult days. We don't want to be grateful for them, but those days help us grow and teach us important lessons. Number two, be thankful for anyone in your family that loves you. Too often we fail to be grateful uh, for the ones that are consistently loving with us. We actually take them for granted. Don't be that person. Articulate your appreciation whenever you can. Also, be thankful for your coworkers and friends. Make sure you they know that you are grateful for them and their efforts. And number four, be thankful for your health if you have it. Be supportive of those who do not have health, okay? Um, and that could be anybody around you. And number five, I think that's number five, one, two, three, four, five. Be thankful and alert for an opportunity that is disguised as a difficulty. Be thankful and alert for an opportunity that is disguised as a difficulty. And the last one, <coughs> excuse me, is to just be relentlessly thankful. And here's one way you can do that. <coughs> excuse me, I got a little cough. Text three people in the next 100 seconds and just say you're thankful for them. Their vitality will rise, and when some when they know someone else is thankful for them, yours will also rise. So um, we found out this before, <coughs> um, that being grateful can reduce our inflammation. And there's a little paper that we've talked about in, in this context that, that, that found this in the context of health benefits and gratitude for women. It was a randomized trial and they found that gratitude in, in women, I hope it's also true in men, can reduce inflammation. And gratitude was defined as a positive emotion that can arise when one receives kindness or something of value from another person, but it can also be linked to improvements in mental and physical well-being. And here's one of the conclusions from the paper, quote, the observed relationship suggests that gratitude may benefit health reducing inflammatory responses through the threat-reducing effects of support giving. And the, patient, or the paper that was uh, reviewed on the Vitality Explorer Substack site uh, looked at a six-week online gratitude, gratitude intervention protocol where 61 female participants aged 31 to 50, and they were randomly assigned to an intervention or control group. 
And then they looked at blood samples of inflammation were drawn before and after the six-week time frame. <coughs> Participants then completed a threat reactivity task in a functional MRI scanner. And then both groups, both groups were given an assignment to complete on Sundays via email. The gratitude group uh, prompt recommended uh, participants write about a specific person in their life that they had never properly thanked for something meaning meaningful. And in the control group, they just said something like, think about the longest distance you walk today, sort of a neutral, neutral. Then they looked at the amygdala, which is a portion of your brain associated with a threat re response. And the researchers found a correlation between lower amygdala or threat activity and giving support. Okay, so you can look at the graphs in the Vitality Explorer new Substack site. There was also interesting, uh, a greater reduction in the production of TNF-alpha, which is a marker of inflammation. And the findings of this, again, reasonably complex paper were somewhat mixed, but overall pointed to the value of being grateful as a way to reduce measurements of stress and, and importantly, blood markers of inflammation. And again, we've talked about inflammation many times. Inflammation, I think, is the enemy of vitality and so anything we can do to reduce our body's inflammation can help us live a longer and more vital life <coughs> excuse me here i think we need to also look at further investigations like this to truly understand how being grateful can help reduce our body's inflammation or and or our, our threat response that we have in our brain associated with daily activities. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's Vitality Explorer News podcast. Um, please share it with your friends and family. Please subscribe on the Vitality Explorer News uh, Substack site or at vitalityexplorers.com for a text message version of this. And remember the, th remember the quote from Muhammad Ali that we went over at the beginning. Quote, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. I love this. Don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. Remember that exercise can create a shield against cancer. Remember how sports can enhance both our physical and mental well-being. And be relentlessly thankful. And until next time, dare to be vital. <laughs>